Seattle, we've got a Harbaugh. The Seahawks hiring Jay Harbaugh today as their special teams coordinator. We're going to be breaking down that latest edition of Mike McDonald's staff and taking a look at offensive coordinator candidates on a jam-packed Monday edition of Locked On Seahawks. You are Locked On Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings 12. This is Corbin Smith, host of the Locked On Seahawks podcast, your daily Seahawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Glad to be joined here on our Monday episode by my coast in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there, whether you're listening from North Bend, Washington, or the Senegal. We appreciate each and every one of you for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. The Seahawks have a new addition to their coaching staff. We're going to be diving into a Harbaugh coming back to the Pacific Northwest. We'll get into that here in a few moments. Plus, we've got our Monday mailbag and a close look at the two front runners so far to take over as offensive coordinator on Mike McDonald's staff. It's a jam-packed episode coming your way, courtesy of FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets. If your first bet of $5 or more wins, visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to get started. Now for your lead story here on our Monday edition of Locked On Seahawks. When Seattle first decided to move on from Pete Carroll, of course we had to talk about the possibility of Jim Harbaugh, the former nemesis from San Francisco, somehow coming to Seattle as the new head coach. Of course, that did not happen, but Seattle, we have a Harbaugh. His son is going to be coming and joining Mike McDonald's staff as the new special teams coordinator. That was originally reported by Albert Breer of Sports Illustrated. Multiple sources, two locked on Seahawks, have indicated that this move is going to happen. They are just finishing the touches on this. But Jay Harbaugh will be joining the Seahawks staff and He's only 34 years old, Rob. He is younger than Mike McDonald, but yet this guy has been around for quite some time. He comes from a coaching family. It is in his blood. And pretty much everything that he touched during his nine seasons at Michigan, he did a lot of different roles there. Everything he touched, they had great success, and it was a strength position for his father's team. So this makes a lot of sense when you consider Mike McDonald coached with him in Michigan and at Baltimore when they were together in 2014. Yeah, exactly. And that, to me, is one of the most exciting things about this addition to the Seahawks staff, Corbin, is, uh, you know, again, there's an awful lot of familiarity between Jay Harbaugh and Mike McDonald already. As you mentioned, they coached together at Michigan and at Baltimore. But but it just it, it's interesting that, you know, Jay Harbaugh had uh, presumably a, a, a job waiting for him with his dad, Jim Harbaugh, taking over the Los Angeles Chargers head coach for Jay to choose to to uh, coach with Mike McDonald here in Seattle, I think is uh, you know is, is interesting. It really speaks to um, the fact that he wants to get un- from underneath his um, his father's wings and from underneath his uncle's wings, of course, as well. And and, and you uh, you know mentioned the, the the different roles in which that that Jay Harbaugh has coached, even though he's only thirty four years old. Corbin, he worked as the tight end coach, running back coach, safety coach, uh, and, and the special teams coordinator at Michigan. The the Michigan 
Michigan Wolverines had incredible success. The, the punters, their kickers, their long snappers, their return men, all having incredible success, all Big Ten uh, conference players, um, basically in every single unit. I mean, this is a this is a heck of a football coach. And um, it's it's easy to see that the fall that the the apple didn't fall far from the tree in this case with, with Harbaugh. But again, what I am most excited about is the fact that this is a, is a guy that, um, that does have a great deal of versatility and has already shown his commitment coming here to Seattle to coach with Mike McDonald again, over the family ties. And I'm wondering if this could be a rare situation, Rob, because of that background that he's got, that he could be the special teams coordinator, but he also does some work with an offensive or defensive position group because he has been successful at every position that he has done at Michigan. They've had great tight ends. That's just a Michigan thing in general, but they've had great tight ends a couple of years that he was the tight end coach. The years that he was the running back coach, Zach Charbonnet played for him as a freshman and scored 11 touchdowns on the ground. And oh, by the way, he was the backup. Hassan Haskins was the starter that year for Michigan. So he has a very good track record of coaching multiple positions. And oh, by the way, on special teams, he's had 21 players as a special teams coach that have been all Big Ten and or All-American. Jake Moody was the Lou Garza Award winner twice he's had a couple punters that were finalists for the ray guy award he's had some really good kick and punt returners donovan peoples jones who's now in the cleveland browns was one of the finalists for freshman all-american as a kick returner for michigan in 2017 when he was the special teams coordinator so this guy has an incredible track record michigan was actually not quite as good as special teams this year but it didn't matter they still won the national championship but you look at the long track record that he's got Five times in the last eight years, they've been in the top 20 in kit coverage. That speaks volumes to the type of coach that this guy is. It really does. I mean, one of the other kind of, you know, fascinating little side notes uh, that I, you know, discovered when I was kind of doing my research here on Jay Harbaugh is the fact that, of course, you know, you have to tell the the many University of Washington fans who are listening to this podcast as well. And thank you to all of you, as, as Corbin often says, thank you so much to, again, all of you watching or listening. But uh, those UW fans and all college football fans out there, all football fans really know fully well that, uh, you know, during in Michigan's season this past year that Jim Harbaugh was uh, suspended for three games. He was unable to coach, wasn't allowed to coach as the NCAA did their investigation. And during that time, one of those games, Jay Harbaugh actually became the acting head coach. It was against UNLV and Michigan beat a team that wound up uh, going to a bowl game, finished the Mountain West Conference nine and five, a quality team. And Michigan thumped them that game 35 to seven. They were the national champs, but still, and just said, uh, that's the, the, ele- the, the level of, of coaching expertise, I guess, that uh, John Schneider and Mike Montgomery, excuse Mike McDonald, sees Mike McDonald have brought to the Seahawks here, Corbin, is that they have a special teams coach now in Jay Harbaugh, who nobody in the history of college football had a better winning percentage than Jay Harbaugh, 1-0, as Michigan's head football coach a year ago. Winning his coach in Michigan history, and he's going to have that label on him for a while. But, uh, yeah, I think this is an outstanding hire just because it's all about natural fit. And as far as some other news that's out there, I did a show after Leslie Frazier's news broke. He has signed. He is the assistant head coach. We don't know if the defensive coordinator tag is going to officially be there. I think he's going to play that role to an extent. But 
He's the assistant head coach. And now they are also looking at bringing in a defensive coordinator that has ties to Mike McDonald in Joe Cullen, who is the defensive line coach for the Kansas City Chiefs right now. And by the way, he and McDonald coached five seasons together in Baltimore. So again, that seems to be a theme here. There's a lot of familiarity with these coaches that Mike McDonald is wanting to bring in. And that's how it should be when you're a first-time head coach. You need people that you know that you've worked with and you understand what makes them tick to allow you to have an opportunity to maximize your success. Well, and one of the things that, again, that I'm most excited about, Corbin, is just like with Jay Harbaugh, you know, leaving an awesome situation, presumably uh, coaching with his dad, the Los Angeles Chargers. You know, you're resetting the clock there, and he's had a great deal of success. And yet still, Harbaugh decides to go with Mike McDonald here in Seattle. Same kind of thing. Um, If the the Kansas City defensive line coach, um, Colin, is, is looking to perhaps jump to coach with Mike McDonald in Seattle here, considering all the success that he's had with the Chiefs. I mean, that is a testament to how much that Mike McDonald is respected throughout the league. And, oh, by the way, Colin's a terrific coach. I mean, just think of all the defensive linemen that you see in Kansas City, all the success they've had, whether it be a, uh, you know, just the, the list is is endless uh, in terms of the Chiefs, the, their young players that uh, have uh, started to ascend. The, he really has done a terrific job there at the Kansas City Chiefs. George Karloftis is one of them that this year really broke out under his tutelage. And, of course, Chris Jones is already an all-pro. Chris Jones, Frank Clark, uh, I mean, again. The names are endless the last two years. And, oh, by the way, the Ravens had, for the five years he was defensive line coach, they averaged, gave up less than 19 points per game on defense. So, Cullen also did some pretty good work in Jacksonville, considering he was coaching under Urban Meyer and that year was a disaster. So, (laughs) you consider the candidates here. Cullen would be an excellent – and also, he's a D-line guy. They've got linebackers. They've got safety, secondary. I mean, that is Frazier's specialty as well, being a former NFL defensive back. So, bringing in somebody with D-line pedigree would be huge for this coaching staff. So, things are starting to come together. As we'll talk about later in the show, there is one huge vacancy that is yet to be filled. We'll get to that later in the third segment. But first, we've got to tackle your questions in our Monday Mailbag segment. That'll be coming up next here on our latest edition of Locked On Seahawks. Why root for your team on an empty stomach during the big game? That is a game day travesty that ensures you won't be cheering at your very best. Order on DoorDash and save on football watch party favorites. Right now, you can get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order using the DoorDash app and entering the code LOCK23. When it's time for the big game this upcoming Sunday, I'm going to be kicking back and eating some Jet City pizza, my favorite gluten-free pizza place, and I'll have that two-liter root beer probably down in the entire thing during the game. And DoorDash makes the process so easy, I don't have to leave the comfort of my couch. I don't have to miss any of the amazing commercials during the big game. It's so simple. I've ordered Jet City to the point on the DoorDash app. Their managers know me by name. If you're ready to satisfy your taste buds on game day, quench those cravings with your favorite local restaurants via DoorDash. Get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order using the DoorDash app and enter the code LOCK23. Subject to change, terms apply. This episode is also brought to you by eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience is what brings the winning trophy and also keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance, whether it's superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, 
LED headlights, and much more. If you're into speed, power, style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for, and eBay is guaranteed fit. Guarantees the part will fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're going to be burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBay guaranteed fit. Only available to U.S. customers. You're listening to the Monday edition of Locked on Seahawks. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. And a special thanks to all the 12s out there. Thank you for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. And make sure to check out Locked On's first-ever National Sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for your 24-7 coverage of the top sports stories with local experts from Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first national sports 24-7 streaming channel. As we do each and every Monday, it's time to open up the mailbag. Seahawks, NFL, maybe some personal questions thrown in there as well. Our first one here, and I'm going to give this one to Rob. Mike McDonald was the clear favorite among Seahawks fans going into the hiring process. So it was almost surprising John Schneider signed him based on usual behavior. Do you think he had the fans in mind at all? This coming from Ryan B. Katz. I think he absolutely had the fans in mind in signing Mike McDonald. I think that, uh, you know, I think that this was a commitment to the the, the type of character-based um, success on and off the field that I think that the Seahawks enjoyed under Pete Carroll. And it's authentic that John Schneider needed to be taught that from, from Carroll, but I think that it certainly has passed on to, to Mike McDonald here as well. Um, I, I think that just the fact that there were and, and John Schneider talked about this in his opening statement, uh, you know, when, when McDonald was, um, was uh, introduced to Seattle, um, that there was 19 people, Corbin, who were part of that interview process. This was, this was not just a, a John Schneider interviewing Mike McDonald one-on-one and saying, okay, yeah, I think this is the guy. This is the entire collaborative effect um, you know, to, to make sure that, that McDonald was the right guy. And I think that's one of the reasons why you saw so many, uh, so many members of the Seahawks family the, the people who work inside the actual building who greeted uh, Mike and his wife as, as they, when they very first entered the, the uh, you know, the VMAC. Next question here. That's coming from Anthony Paz on X. What is going to happen to Eric B now? Any chance he leaves Washington and maybe becomes our offensive coordinator? Well, we can answer the first part of that question. He is not going back to Washington. He will not be on Dan Quinn's staff. They actually got Cliff Kingsbury, which that might've been one of the weirder coaching sequences that was up there. As far as offensive coordinators are concerned with Bill Belichick telling the jets five minutes after he signed his coach, you know, what? I'm going to go to the Patriots instead. Kingsbury was supposed to go to the Raiders and then that fell through becomes the commander's offensive coordinator. And now Eric Bienemy is without a job. If you're looking from a credential standpoint, this guy was the offensive coordinator for the chiefs with Patrick Mahomes I thought he did a pretty stellar job this past season with Sam Howell as much as he could do there with a team that quite frankly just doesn't have a lot of talent on both sides of the football. And at the same time, there have been some questions about character stuff going on behind the scenes with him. And I think it's certainly impacted him. He wasn't even in the head coaching cycle this year. And it's been really hard for him to get his name out there. So 
if he's somebody that Mike McDonald is familiar with and has a relationship with, then certainly Biennemi could play back into this. But I think it's unlikely because the Seahawks have placed such an emphasis on culture. And I do think based on some of the things that I have been told the last couple of years when he's been trying to apply for head coaching jobs and interview and stuff, it just doesn't necessarily look to me like that may be the best fit from that standpoint. But again, if they have a relationship and McDonald is looking to make a splash, this guy certainly is an excellent play caller on the offensive side of the football. Our next one here for Rob, looking at how much McDonald got so much production out of Kyle Hamilton. Could you see the Seahawks taking a safety early in the draft? Having Spoon in a top safety flying around on defense could be scary. And this is interestingly coming from Hamilton 44 F1. I don't think it's Kyle Hamilton himself, but certainly <laughs> we we have Hamilton asking about a Hamilton type player coming to Seattle. Well, I think it's an intriguing idea, but I, I don't think it is likely, to be honest with you. Now, it remains to be seen how the Seahawks are going to construct their roster. Um, you know, they have, of course, an awful lot of money currently tied up at the safety position. Everybody focuses in on, on Jamal Adams, obviously, but Quandre Diggs and Julian Love as well do big money. Um, I, I would be surprised if the Seahawks want to allocate a, a top uh, draft pick or free agent dollars um, to somebody that's currently outside of, of the franchise at the safety position specifically. I do, however, expect the, to see some a lot more big plays out of the safety position, just given the success that, uh, that Kyle Hamilton, that Geno Stone, and the others have had at the safety position under Mike McDonald. Our next question comes from David Thorne on threads. What could Seattle realistically fetch for Tyler Lockett in a trade? So this is not going to make Seahawks fans happy when I say this, at least the Seahawks fans that are looking to create cap space, but they don't want to cut a player. This is not taking a shot at Tyler Lockett. I still think he is a very good player. I could see him come back this next season and eclipse a thousand yards and bounce back from what was somewhat a down year by his standards. I still think he's a very good player, but, He's got a cap hit this year of $26 plus million. He's going to be 32 years old. He's coming off the worst statistical season he's had in half a decade. There are not going to be teams rushing to trade anything more than maybe a late day three selection. And that might be hindering on the Seahawks paying some of that money, a similar way that like the Leonard Williams trade worked out. If you want to get a higher pick, eat some of the money. So the solution of let's just trade him and get as much of that cap off the books as we can and let's get his first or second round pick. That is not happening. You're not getting a high pick for Tyler Lockett. You're probably not getting an early day three select because he's big. He is an aging player and he's coming off a season that was good but not great. And by his standards, we're certainly below what we expect from Tyler Lockett. So not a shot at him. I just think it would be really hard to move him to get much. Next question for Rob. AK Jester no more on X. Do the Hawks not fit the mold? Do any current Hawks not fit the mold for McDonald's defense and will likely be cut that we would otherwise have expected to be retained or re-signed this offseason? I think that's certainly a good question because we didn't know who the coach was going to be till early next week. Now that we do and we have an idea what Mike McDonald likes to do on defense, there may be a few players that aren't fit. They may be your square pegs going into a round hole. I don't know if there's anybody that I think that the Seahawks are going to cut, however. I really do think that, at least going by what Mike McGowan has, has already said, is that uh, he frankly doesn't know what the Seahawks are good at 
quite yet. And, uh, you know, and so I think that it's going to take some time there. I think that the, the easy candidate to kind of pick on here for a moment would be the edge rusher, Daryl Taylor. I just haven't seen the sustained physicality and the awareness in run support that I think that, uh, that McDonald has basically expected of his front seven or all of his defenders, frankly. Um, and of course, Daryl Taylor is a, it's a player that was drafted four years ago, but one of those seasons did not accrue um, because he missed his rookie season with the injury and so he is still very much on the Seahawks roster and so he might be the one player but he's not going to be doing an awful lot of money and he's one of those players I think they actually absolutely could pop because he has the pass rushing traits that he has so again I, I do think that there is going to be a different mentality and more of a commitment to, to physicality and a more of a, a commitment to team oriented defense um, and so because of all those things I think that some of the players who maybe were a little bit selfish maybe Maybe would go for that kind of kill shot or terrible phrasing. I apologize, but go for those those big hits um, rather than playing good, reliable defense. Those are some of the candidates I think that you have to worry about. But I don't see a lot of those players. I think the players that have made mistakes in the past, I think, are also some of Seattle's youngest and most physically gifted. And that's exactly who Mike McDonald is going to be trying like hell to, to, to get through to to make this defense as good as it possibly can be. And our final question from Stubbsmo on X, which players could realistically take a pay cut in order to stay a Seahawk talking both pending free agents and possible cap casualties. So I don't think you're going to see any hometown discounts, so to speak, but I'm speaking on this just because I think Quandre Diggs really wants to play for Mike McDonald. I don't think that this is a situation where Quandre Diggs is thinking, you know, maybe, you know, if, if they're going to ask me to give up a little money or, do a restructure, whatever needs to happen. I don't see that being something that he's going to bat an eye at. Now, he's not going to take a massive pay cut by any means, but I could see that being a situation where he looks at, hey, I can restore some of my value here in a defense where safeties have had a ton of success creating turnovers, and that historically has been what I've been really good at. So I think that that is one player that could make some sense. I also could see, in my opinion, a one-year, two-year extension for a few of these guys to take some of the cap hit off could make some sense. That's probably the most realistic route with Quandre Diggs. But maybe somebody like a Will Disley who brings the physicality that Mike McDonald's going to want on offense, but you don't want that $10 million cap hit. Maybe you tack on an extra year onto his deal to lower that cap hit something and keep him around a Pacific Northwest guy, keep him in Seattle for at least a couple more seasons at a lower price point. So those would be two names that would jump out to me. Jamal Adams, I don't see anything happening on that front. Tyler Lockett, maybe you could do some rework in his contract, but he's got several years left of his deals. So does DK Metcalf. Diggs and Disley are the two that would maybe make the most sense to me. When we come back, the Seahawks have yet to hire an offensive coordinator. And so far, only two names have emerged as front runners. We're going to be taking a close look at Ryan Grubb as well as his other coach candidate that could be coming in, Tanner Engstrand. He's such a big name that I forgot his name here on the show. <laughs> Has been in the league a few years, but certainly a good coach. We're going to be looking at both Ryan Grubb and Tanner Engstrand. That'll be coming up next year on our Monday edition of Locked on Seahawks. 
This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Happy Super Bowl to all who celebrate from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. If you're like me, Super Bowl Sunday is all about scoring the best seats in the couch, grabbing your favorite football snacks, watching all the amazing commercials, and placing some super bets. FanDuel has so many ways for you to end the season with a W or two or three. Not only can you bet on who will win the Super Bowl in Super Bowl 58, but FanDuel also has bets for which players will score a touchdown, how many points will be scored, and so much more. New customers join today, and you'll get $200 in bonus bets if your first bet of $5 or more wins. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on to sign up. That's FanDuel.com slash on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sportsbook partner of the NFL. You're listening to the Monday edition of Locked On Seahawks. This is your host, Corbin Smith. Glad to be joined, as always, by my co-host in crime, Rob Rang, and a special thanks to each and every one of the 12s out there. Thank you for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We greatly appreciate it. The Seahawks are starting to fill out their first coaching staff under Mike McDonald. They've got an assistant head coach now, bringing in Leslie Frazier, longtime assistant. They've got Jay Harbaugh coming in as a special teams coach. Carl Scott is going to be back, one of the few coaches so far that's been linked to staying in Seattle on this new staff, but he is going to be on the defensive staff. So the pieces are starting to come together, but there's still a couple big openings and the biggest one, the offensive coordinator spot. And we've heard a few names thrown around out there. We mentioned T Martin. That is still a name that I could see getting back into the mix here. It's been really quiet on that front, but he obviously knows Mike McDonald. They coached together several seasons in Baltimore, a former play caller at USC, so he has some experience in that regard. He's been in the NFL as a quarterback coach, but really the two names that stand out right now. One, a very familiar one in the Pacific Northwest, Ryan Grubb, former Washington offensive coordinator, and then Tanner Angstrand, Angstrand, I cannot say his name, the passing game coordinator for the Detroit Lions. That is a much more out-of-left-field name, even though he's coming from a really good coaching staff, one of the better teams in the NFL He wasn't the offensive coordinator. He was just the passing game coordinator. So that's not a name that had been out there much, but he's worked under Ben Johnson. So there's some intrigue on that front as well. And what both these guys check off here, Rob, and we talked about a little bit coming out of Mike McDonald's introductory press conference on the Thursday episode last week, but it was very clear that McDonald was not putting past NFL experience at the top of his priorities for offensive coordinator. He wants somebody that can come in with fresh ideas that can be a long-term OC that can really help get this foundation build up to compete for championships. And both these guys would check out that box because neither one of them has been an NFL offensive coordinator. Yeah, and that was one of the more fascinating uh, developments, I think, or uh, things that uh, that Mike McDonald talked about in that press conference was just the fact that, you know, experience calling plays, experience in the NFL was not necessarily at the top of his list. And there was an awful lot of really good interviews that I saw McDonald go through, um, you know, in the days, hours after he was uh, officially um, introduced by the Seahawks. Um, I I thought Ian Furness on KJR, I thought the Paul Sylvia on King 5, I thought that um, Stacey Ross, I thought actually for 710, I thought I had a really great question and a fascinating um, quote from McDonald afterwards. And, and basically what Stacey was asking was, you know, what are the qualifications? What, what are you looking for um, in an offensive coordinator? And what or in coaches, basically assistant coaches in general. And he talked about a lot of the coach speak that you typically hear, you know, the high character, integrity, the, the efficiency of how you coach, the growth mindset. But there was one line in particular 
here I thought was really telling. And I think it kind of ties in with Engstrom and Grubb um, as the two favorites right now for offensive coordinator. And that, that's this quote here. He says, I mean, he was kind of going back and forth and talking about some things and then locked eyes with her and, and basically said, I want to see a track record of being able to connect with your players. And I do think that that kind of speaks volume about just uh, making sure that you really have a personal connection with these players, something that you mentioned Carl Scott uh, as one of the, the only coaches that the Seahawks have retained from the Pete Carroll era here to uh, McDonald. And that's one of the things that Carl Scott does a fantastic job in the secondary. And so I, I do think that that's going to be a focus here. And I do think, as you said, that uh, both Grubb and, and Shren would basically be able to check that box. I mean, I was really impressed by, but with, with Grubb and his success at the University of Washington, currently he is the offensive coordinator at Alabama, would have to depart from Kalen DeBoer, something that he hasn't done except for just a few years, The for basically for the last 25 years, going back to when they won a couple of national championships at Sioux Fall, like in you know 2000, the early 2000s. I mean, we're talking about a, a connection between Grubb and DeBoer that I don't know that the Seahawks are going to be able to break just because the fact that they're in the NFL. But if they can, there, of course, was not an offense in college football that was more explosive, more consistent, more, um, you know, more teaming with young talent that had developed um, than at the University of Washington this past year. So I certainly understand why there would be a lot of uh, local Seattle, Pacific Northwest football fans out there would be really excited about Ryan Grubb coming to the Seahawks. I myself would be. He's 47 years old, um, and his ideas would be fresh because, as you mentioned, he's never been in the NFL before. But his track record of coaching various positions, kind of like we talked about with Jay Harbaugh before Corbin, that's one of the things that Ryan Grubb has done. He's coached offensive line coach quarterbacks, of course, running backs. Um, he has done basically everything at every different level, um, you know, at the collegiate level. Now, going to Erstrand for a minute, Engstrand, excuse me, I messed up his name as well, Tanner Engstrand. Um, he is 41. He's the Lions tight end coach and, and passing game coordinator. And as you mentioned, of course, he worked under Ben Johnson. He also worked under Jim Harbaugh back at in two different stops at University of, of San Diego, um, where Jim Harbaugh initially uh, became a head coach at the college level, as well as back at Michigan with Harbaugh. And, uh, you know, he has done a lot of different roles as well, including, um, you know, serving as the offensive coordinator in the XFL. And, and so he, he's had some, some play calling experience and he's another passionate coach. I mean, you just watch him on the sideline and you know, watch some of the clips of him. And he has the enthusiasm that a grub that a, that a Mike McDonald also uh, demonstrates. So I think that this is, is a two different candidates, Corbin. And we mentioned uh, as well. Um, uh, now I'm spacing on his name, Eric Bieniemy. I apologize. A third candidate. Considering how late in the process the Seahawks appear to be with this decision, Corbin, I think that they have three excellent candidates in which they can choose from. I, I wish that um, I could tell you who John Schneider and Mike McDonald are leaning towards at this point, but it's obviously a super competitive situation. They're not going to tell me, you know, or, or very many people where they are leaning at this point. But I can tell you this with great confidence. I do think that all three of the offense coordinators that we just mentioned, whether it be Bienemy, whether it be Engstrom or Engstrand or uh, Ryan Grubb, I do think that the Seahawks are going to come out of this smelling like roses, frankly, on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah, right now I would be hedging bets that it's one of the first two guys that we mentioned here. I've Everything I've been told, Ryan Grubb is somebody that they have had 
their eyes on ever since McDonald signed the contract. And it's interesting because he went against a McDonald-style defense in the national title game, and, and Washington struggled in that game. But there were some missed touchdown opportunities there by Michael Penix. So I'm not putting all of that on the offensive coordinator. There were some plays that were left on the field in that game, and he does have innovative ideas. The offensive line stuff is what I love about Ryan Grubb. And you look at his track record. Eastern Michigan had two offensive linemen drafted when he was there. And Eastern Michigan is not a football mecca. They were in the top 10 in fewest sacks allowed per game his last year there. Fresno State, two of the years he was at Fresno State, they were in the top five for fewest sacks allowed per game. So this guy knows how to coach offensive linemen and particularly pass protection. He, back at Sioux Falls, when he was at NAIA level, had more of a run-centric under center attack. So he has done that before. His bread and butter has been the shotgun, air raid, throwing the ball over the place stuff at Washington and Fresno State. But he is one of those guys that can adapt and adjust. So I do think there's some intrigue there. But I think the one thing that does jump out in the last five years, he's never had a running game that was better than 69th. So that is something that I think needs to be looked at. He does have experience as a run game coordinator. So I do think at the pro level, he can make the adjustments necessary. But Mike McDonald wants a physical ground game on the offensive side of the ball. Is Ryan Grubb going to be able to provide that? That is the one big question that I have for him. As for Engstrand, that's a totally different thing because he was a tight end coach two years ago for Detroit. This guy understands the run game. He's been the passing game coordinator the last two years. You've seen how intricate that passing game for the Lions is. So that would obviously be something that would excite Seahawks fans. Well, we can't get Ben Johnson. Let's get the guy that maybe was going to be his successor if he left for a head coaching job this year. So the idea that you could bring him in as the offensive coordinator makes a lot of sense. He's done it at the pro level in the XFL. He had Cardell Jones that year, in the uh, COVID shortened season. It was kind of fun to watch that offense in the XFL. So there's some intrigue there with him as well, but he doesn't have the background of being a play caller for the longevity standpoint that Ryan Grubb does or that Eric Bieniemy, or even T Martin with all the experience he had at USC at the college level this seems like a guy that may be a little bit more raw coming into this at the same time he's been with Ben Johnson. So I think there's a lot of reason to be excited about all these candidates. And I don't know necessarily that we're going to have a hire here in the next couple of days. I've changed my tune on that because the Seahawks only have teams that they're point, And there are plenty of good options out there. So they're going to do what they do with the head coaching job, Rob. They are going to be selective with their time and make sure that they get the right fit that is going to mesh with what Mike McDonald and John Schneider's vision is for this new era of Seahawks football. So it should be a lot of fun to see how things play out here in coming days as this staff continues to come together for the Seahawks. As always, you can follow me on X and threads at Corbett Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Make sure to subscribe and follow Locked on Seahawks on YouTube and wherever you listen to your podcast to make sure you don't miss a single episode. Coming up tomorrow, there may be a new offensive coordinator, maybe a new defensive coordinator. We'll have the latest coaching news, and we'll be recapping what went down in Mobile at the Senior Bowl, our big winners out of the festivities at the All-Star event down in Mobile. You won't want to miss it. Enjoy the rest of your Monday, and thanks for listening in. Go Hawks. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.